What's up everybody? This is Bryce from Jurassic Views. Today we have a two-part podcast called State of Affairs. The first one is called Family First. In this podcast, it'll be a little shorter than the second one, but it'll be focusing more on Norman Powell, uh, uh, his tra uh, Players' Tribune article, his trade. Uh, this will also be looking at just the team and its importance to us, the city of Toronto, and Zion I's love for the city, knowing that we're living in Ottawa. Uh, the second part of this podcast, uh, this State of Affairs podcast, is called Business Never Personal, and that will look more at uh, kind of a big picture take on the trade, uh, Gary Trent, uh, some of the young cats that are coming up in the franchise, like Malachi Flynn and his play. Uh, these two podcasts were taped uh, three days apart. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, we really had a lot of fun with it. And although they're longer podcasts, we thought, ah, we'll give it a go anyways, instead of just staying in the pocket of post-game podcast morning devotions we thought hey let's let's expand on on some things let's uh talk from the heart uh you know give some uh, hot takes give some straight shots and then um really have some analysis from of course our perspective our jurassic views hope you enjoy it peace yeah i'm like neo now <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Good morning, everyone. Jurassic Views, Morning Devotion, Zaya Quina, Bryce Diamond. Zaya, have you ever watched the Marvel movies? Have you ever watched the Avengers? Uh, the first ones, yes. Okay, so last night uh, I had this, this revelation about what the state of affairs are for the Toronto Raptors. And it feels like infinity game. Did you ever watch infinity game? I've been told I should watch it, but I have yet to okay. watch it. I'm more, I'm, I'm more into your indie. That's film fair. That's part of house. And, and I made a mistake. It's not infinity game. It's infinity war, but regardless at okay. what happens at the end of infinity war is that Thanos, this kind of great warrior, leader uh who wants basically to to just genocide half the population he wins and when thanos wins literally characters in the movie are disappearing because half the population there's no rhyme or reason for who's gonna die and who's not it's not preferential it's just half the population dies and people are fading away on each other. So like 
you're in the middle of something with a friend, a meal. Maybe it's one of the Avengers. They're battling. Uh, maybe you're driving a car and the passenger or the driver, you know, the cab driver, they disappear. They're, they're dying because of what Thanos has done, the amount of power that he had. My friend, last night when I was watching the score, I was thinking about Kawhi is gone. Surge yeah. is gone. Danny's gone. Norm's gone. Maybe, maybe Masai is already gone. And we are in Infinity War. People have just literally vanished in front of our eyes. And we are half the team that we used to be. And when that happens in the movie, there's five years in the next movie, Endgame, the final battle. There's, a, there's this start of the movie where five years go by before anything changes. And people are like talking about, you know, this this great reset that Thanos has done. They're talking about how much they've lost. And when I heard Fred Van Vliet in the post game last night, talking about how COVID has impacted Pascal OG himself. I even remember Tatum talked about this. That's what I felt like the, you know, the, this great loss of mm. Thanos has now impacted our players these guys are dealing with half them themselves half their abilities uh it feels like that's where we're at right now with the toronto raptors people have vanished in front of us we don't know who's around and who's not uh people are half themselves because they've lost their teammates um it is it is such a weird dark difficult time and uh, you know I, I feel for these guys i really do uh as someone who wears their heart on their sleeve i i really feel for these guys what what were your feelings emotions what was going through your body last night as you watched the toronto raptors completely get sunk by another team who lost half their guys, although they're sitting on the sideline, uh, who are straight tanking in OKC Thunder. What, what was going on in you, my friend? Um, morning. I, I was, uh, I mean, I was my usual self. You know, I was yelling at the screen. I, um, I was frustrated. I was applauding some good play that I was seeing early from OG, from Freddie, and uh, from and obviously from G, uh, GTJ. You know, Gary was was hot. Started the game hot. Uh, we ended the first quarter thirty-two to thirty, right? And so, to me, with this roster who I cannot recognize aside from Mekaluk. Um, their shooting guard who had a good game and a rookie point I know was on the Raptors radar uh uh Maladon um I'm like they're not sustaining it they're, they won't be able to sustain their offensive firepower for the game against our defense but Bryce after maybe the the third quarter that's when I'm like okay my expectations are too high right and I think it was confirmed by Fred after the 
uh, in in the post game scrum, uh, highlighting the mental and physical anguish really um, that they're facing. And he also hinted at you know um, I, I think it was William Liu who asked the question or someone or someone else uh, about how does he feel, and he said I, actually I, I, you know I don't think anyone cares about how I feel, right and. And I had to pause. I mean, I'm as a fan, you know, we we're quite passionate. We're, we we're either exuberant or angered, but there's also a perspective of of being humane, right? And one of the concerns that I have now is that are we, you know, treating these guys um, in a way that is beyond their capabilities, right? right? They're not superhuman. And, and so I had at the top of my uh, uh, points to, in reference to the game, you know, where we lost 113 to 103, um, you know, I can, I can rhyme out the deficiencies in terms of rebounding. You know, we got out rebounded 35 to 64. Uh, mm-hmm. We got out shot from the field uh, 45.3 to 38.9. Uh, we allowed the, uh, we allowed this version of the OKC, who again, like, as you mentioned, are missing Shea, uh, Gilchrist, Alexander, and Lou Dort. Um, Horford is sitting out for the rest of the season. Um, they shot from the three-point line. They shot forty-two point four to against our thirty-four point eight. You're not going to win in the NBA with those types of numbers. Nevertheless, we forced them to twenty turnovers versus our seven. So at least that how the game looked competitive but if you looked if you looked at the if you watched the game we were hitting the wall and that's what fred mentioned you know these guys hit a wall we scored 22 points in the third quarter and then 14 in the fourth and 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 there's a consistency here right Bryce? i think we talked about it previously where in the third quarter there's or in the second half there's a there's an offensive lull right and uh and and so I can understand you can't give max output defensively and then execute efficiently um, on the other end as when you're, when you're missing out Kyle Lowry and when you're depending on a rookie like Malachi Flynn, when you have someone who isn't um, as offensively uh, as well-rounded as a Stanley Johnson. Right. So um I mentioned selfish play because I saw some of that, uh, especially in the second half. But I can understand when you are, and this happens to any human being, right? right? When you're mentally and physically, you make particular types of mistakes. And those mistakes bring the worst out of you. And that's what we saw, right? Missed defensive assignments. No one's boxing out. On the offensive end, guys are trying to go one-on-one, thinking that they can succumb to... Uh, they can override the pressure and, you know, help with the comeback, but that's not actually how um, basketball is played at a high level, you know, and it's quite, it was quite disappointing. I was not at the play, but at the, at the fate of where we've become. Um, The only bright spot I will say, and I, and I'll end with with this is Gary Trent Jr. I think uh, after several games, he's still not looking in sync with our offense as well as our defense um, but he knows where he, to get his shots. And I think he's 
he's he's a smart player in that respect uh that he was able to find his way through uh um the the myriad of things he has to learn uh he ended up with 31 points 12 for 12 for 22 only went to the line twice um he was quite efficient from you know beyond the arc and uh and i'm all and that by the way that's a career high for him in terms of points so yeah so i'm glad to see that i'm glad to see that there's some development i know eric kareen has been being gone okay so if this game or if this season is going into the is sinking if the ship is sinking can you still um this is not a good analogy if the ship is sinking it's terrible um if if you if you know that the, the season's not going in the direction that you want to can you still focus on development internal development of your personnel right the ogs the uh Gary Trent Jr.'s now, the Malachi Flynn's, right? So I think that's what we are gaining. But I think for yourself and, 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 and for a lot of fans, you feel depleted. You feel this is this emotionally drained at this point. I think losing to Detroit, Dwayne Casey, Detroit Pistons for three, uh, three, three times this season is bad. But now losing to the OKC, I think it's a new bottom. I think you, it's, it's, you, you, you thought that you, when you fell, it was rock bottom, but no, you digged yourself even further down six feet under. Yeah. I think for me, the, uh, you know, I'm not so focused on what we have lost in terms of what the players aren't capable uh, of doing I'm I'm way more sympathetic with you know what they what they can actually do and what they can't do due to the circumstances you know I'm I'm handing out uh what some people would call excuses all over um you know I'm I'm like like you're going to say like handing out an SOS yeah like they're <laughs> like they're like they're gift cards you know like um, yeah yeah um so I, for me when I see Fred in the post game or I hear about Pascal losing 10 to 15 pounds, or I hear about, you know, having to relocate the family, or I hear about them going to, uh, you know, COVID hotspot, central Florida, um, on and on and on and Trump country for heaven's sake. Uh, when I hear all these things, I'm completely sympathetic to the players. If I'm going to get mad, Sure, I'm going to be nitpicky about some of the things that the players are doing, um, and, but I'm more upset with the coaches. I'm going to be more upset with uh, with the management um, because I feel like with everything going on, of course, we're going to be massively impacted with what we can produce on the court. And so it's these uh, bigger level leaders, higher level leaders that have to make better decisions that's usually uh but you know where i am at and how i think about uh things and where where i'm going to be most critical whether that's fair or not to the coaches and to the management is a whole nother thing but um yeah i i I, you know i listened to the fred van vliet interview and i'm i'm feeling for the guy i'm feeling for this team Uh, i will agree with you gary trent jr last night had not just a big game, 
he had a career game, mm-hmm. 31 points, biggest game in his career. I think this is season three for him. Yeah. Uh, so huge night. God, if you, I wonder if that's a career night as a Trent family member. I wonder if his dad ever scored 31. Interestingly enough, he scored 30 last year against Oklahoma City as well. Oh, really? <laughs> he knows how to get there his against the Thunder. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see, man. It's good to see. Um, speaking of Gary Trent, obviously he joined the Toronto Raptors uh, in a trade last week. It's only been a week, Bryce. It was this time last week, man. Um, he was traded for Norman Powell, the beloved son, um, yep. traded to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, you sent me a text message uh, while I was trying to finish off some work. And uh, it was a, and anything, you know, I think this is just as impactful to the culture as a Walsh bomb, a player's tribute right. essay. What, Definitely. you know, that is, it's, it's, it, it is worth your time. You read it, um, Rafterland read it and we're going crazy. I mean, folks were, Alex Wong uh, posted a tweet and I think you, you know what I'm referring to. <laughs> <laughs> He created a GIF where, you know, the, the Player Tribune essay is up there in the banners <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, with the championship banner to any 19, you know, and uh, and I think uh, what else do we have up there? You know, some, conf- you know, some division titles and <laughs> the inaugural and, and the inaugural 95 season banner. Right. Norman <laughs> Powell's Player Tribune essay belongs up there. Thoughts about the essay. Thoughts about um, the uh, the content. Yeah. Well, this is Norm Powell's Players Tribune article is in a long line of Toronto Raptors Player Tribune articles uh, that I'm uh, very fond of. That I hold tightly, dearly to my heart. Um, Pat Patterson had one, I think back in 2016, just before the playoffs, I believe. And he talked about the love for the city. Then the next year, Terrence Ross wrote one after he had got traded to Orlando for Serge Ibaka and talked about T.O. He talked about his belief in in the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Then that summer, uh, 2017 summer, I believe Kyle Lowry resigns and he said, and he talks about the city of Toronto and the team. Um, and I'm not sure if he wrote that one or had, you know, you know, he, he dictated that one to somebody who was a ghostwriter. I'm not entirely sure, but he talked about the city and he talked about his kids being, you know, basically from Toronto um, cause they were born in Toronto, have their Toronto kids and what it means to still be in the city for them. Uh, and then you had the DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love article, uh, which was huge oh, mental health. Uh, about mental yeah, health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was massive. And then you get to, uh, norms and I'm sure there's others that I haven't even thought of, uh, in this moment that are heartfelt. But I think, you know, my father last week on the pod summed up uh, what I believe to be true about what a franchise and what a team is supposed to be 
and what we believe, the standards we have, not just about the game of basketball um, and not just about the numbers, but, you know, the, the player aspect, the human aspect, what the, what the players do off the court, how they care about each other uh, and the people of the city and, uh, and how, how they view themselves within the story. Um, I love the line that he said that Norm Powell said about Kyle Lowry uh, talking to him and saying, you'll always be part of the history um, of the franchise. And, you know, that's a beautiful line. And he came back to it later in the article to talk about where he uh, sits, where, you know, how he'll be talked about by fans. And he's like, you could spend you know, days, you could, you could, you know, be breathless talking about, you know, uh, Chris Bosch and Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. You could be breathless. But if, if I'm just mentioned, remember Norm Powell, man, that was a good dude, (laughs) you know, he was part of that championship team. If, if, if he was just mentioned in, you know, the pantheon of Toronto Raptors franchise players, he's like, that's all I need. That's all I need. Cause, cause I love this city. This is always where I want to be. And it makes me think, <laughs> why did we trade this cat? It makes me think not so much about the business and the numbers. It makes me think about, that human aspect to a level that goes beyond where I'm even at. It takes me to a nirvana of fandom. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, it just, it, it fills me up with such joy that, you know, this is, this is what we're about. Now, do other players have that? Do other franchises have that, that kinship, that familiar tie to their, to their teams? I'm sure they do, but I'm talking about, what how i believe uh basketball uh you know what it should be about and what a franchise what what a franchise's foundation should be and norm powell you know he embodied it exactly those things and that's why it was such a heartfelt thing uh and i think fred does that and i and i do believe demar did uh did that um, are they going to come back to Toronto uh, as players? My guess is they won't. Uh, it's too hard. Um, and there's too many, you know, there's too many factors, variables within the business as well. But damn, man, it was uh, an article that, that, uh, that just summed up the, you know, all the good things that we know of norm to be and all the good things that, that we believe basketball to be you know it's interesting that uh, i'm trying to think if other franchises have the same type of affinity with their players as we do and and i'm sure they do i i I, however i think there's elements to it that is different i think we've always felt to be the backwaters of the nba right since 95 Mm -hmm. um and along with vancouver grizzlies and there, you know, we know that we're the only franchise outside of the United States, so it requires a visa, you know, for players to 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 be here, and it also requires an element to be open to a, a completely different cultural orientation, 
Um, however, yeah. Toronto is, you know, people say it's the, you know, Hollywood North or it's, um, it's, it's uh, akin to New York City vibe. But no, it's a very different city, very configured very yeah. differently in terms of its urban landscape and its, you know, uh, intercultural uh, dynamics. And so when you bring 19, 20, 21 year olds, 23 year olds, shoot, you know, 25 year olds here, uh, it's going to take some time for them to adjust. Now, things have changed, obviously, in the last decade, Bryce, and you know this, I, you know, um, the, the Messiah era, um, Tim Laiwiki era, Drake era, a new generation of fans winning, let me repeat myself, winning, right? So uh, it allows you to have uh, an appreciation of guys. And especially when you have guys like Norm, who we've invested in and who invested in himself, and you see the finished product, he's averaging close to 20 points this season, Bryce, right? And so for us, it was like, yeah. why are we trading, you know, this is, and the, you know, why are we trading away a guy who wants to be here? Who's, you know, there's memories and um, he's quite, a, you know, a fixture on our squad. So I think he captured that. I think he um, uh, acknowledged how, as a fan, we've appreciated him. And I think this is how folklore begins, right? You know, it, it's not just done from a managerial level or an organizational level. Sorry, Jerry Krause. You know, it's not just organizations about organizations at least it's fans right it's you know it's you know however you know how much we don't we disagree with them but you know it's what people say about you on twitter it's you know it's you you know going all fanboy stand on them you know and and i think uh i think that will never go away and i think he he will be a legend i think we will remember him in ways that we remember vince Right. And there are different players, there are different stature of players, but because I think that element of him wanting to be here is quite important. And he's never let off in terms of work ethic and always displayed a level of professionalism and, and an affinity towards the fans. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, do you, do you, have you ever, have you ever watched the movie Braveheart? Of course. Have you ever watched the movie Malcolm X? Of course. Okay, Spike so Lee, two things come to mind. Yeah, definitely. Should have won an Academy Award. That's a whole other podcast, but uh, screw you, Oscars. Um, two things that come to mind from those movies that uh, I, I think about when I think about how we uh, kind of relate to this team and as we speak of these players, especially players gone by from that 2019 team. At the end of the movie Malcolm X, uh, there's there, there's a scene yeah. where, yeah, where, the, where where it's in a classroom in South yeah. Africa, and the kids are standing up one by one. I am I Malcolm am X, Malcolm and then X, at the yeah. end of that, yeah, and then Nelson Mandela is there. I am Malcolm X, uh, and there's this strong belief you you see it on Twitter sometimes. Uh, certainly, William Liu, one of our favorite. Uh, writers for for the Raptors, he says this. Norm was one of us, and 
you see it even in the in the PlayStation commercial with OG. I am OG and an OB. There is that you know connection that we have, whether we make it up yeah. or not. Somehow it's there. there. Somehow it's spoken of. Yeah, by yeah. players, by uh, by writers, by fan base. And then there's another uh, movie I, I mentioned earlier with Braveheart. And there's a scene kind of like just before the climax, just before like we're building toward the climax where uh, William Wallace and the Scottish uh, armies and, and the Irish who have come together, uh, shout out to the homeland, uh, to the motherland, I should say. And uh, they're talking about who William Wallace is and what kind of character he was. And they're, they're creating folklore. And they talk about how, you know, William Wallace could, could kill a man with his bare hands or he could, you know, kill a thousand uh, English soldiers with one sword and all this kind of stuff. William Wallace is eight feet tall and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> when we tell our grandkids about the 2019 season, right? When we talk about what these individual players did in various moments, like we've highlighted on the show and many, many people have, have referred to as well about Norm's big playoff moment in 2016. We're going to be talking about Norm Powell as this like, you know, Avenger type character, this this guy who who changed our lives or changed, as you said the other day, changed the franchise landscape, belief in itself. Um, these like warrior poet <laughs> type moments, and you know what? I hope I hope Norman Powell's name is mentioned. I hope people remember how important Norman Powell was to the greater narrative of even our championship season. Uh, you remember game four of that Buck yep. series in yep. the Eastern Conference Finals. Brother went off. And if he doesn't go off, we don't have Kawhi Leonard going full superhero in overtime for us. Uh, you remember, uh, you know, uh, in game three, sorry, uh, Kyle Lowry gets injured. Norm had some big shots. Fred had some big shots. But Norm was part of that championship run even if it's just for one game and you know these these are the ways that uh sports should be remembered there should be uh you know some rosy colored glasses because it did something more than just you know give us uh, a victory it was more than just numbers it was more so we can talk about it in these grander ways because we're trying to express something from within, not just what we flatly see two-dimensionally outside. Is that kind of help you understand what I'm talking about, what I'm feeling? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, to, 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 to think of Norm, you know, is, is I think we're going to continue to thinking about Norm. You know, this is the seventh day anniversary that he was uh, – traded right <laughs> we are going to you know i i don't know how far we're going to go in terms of you know we're going to refer to the the year norm was traded you know the year np right like i you know 
Um, however, you know, it brings me to Will Lou, right? Like I felt in his uh, work last night, he was, he does his 10 things for Yahoo Sports Canada, but uh, he also tweets quite, you know, uh, at a high volume. And there was a tweet that uh, he, I actually sent it to you. I'm going to read it off. Um, and yeah, you know, there is someone who, uh, uh, we're going to put you on blast here. Tuesday Biggio, uh, don't even use your real name. So you're, 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 you're whack. <clears throat> Burn Burn account. Account. Uh, why are you acting like you play for the team? Laughing my ass off, sit on the sidelines and take your notes while we hashtag fade for Cade nerd. And uh, Will Lou's response to that was actually literally fuck up, fuck you. And he later responded, have, yep. have just an ounce of sympathy for other people, you selfish fucks. And all in qu- quotation marks. And I, and I think it has something to do with um, we can be passionate about the, the team. We can comment on the difficulties that they're currently having. We can also critique elements of basketball play um, and yet still be humane and still have sympathy for them, right? Rather than just have this cold calculated, um, let's just tank. It's going to, there's greener pastures upon selecting a top lottery pick and let's go from there. And um, and I'm, I, you know where I'm going to go with this, but I wanted to throw it back at how, how do you navigate, you know, this um, generation of, yeah, I shouldn't say, I don't want to create a generational divide, not to say that there's terrible fans in our generation, but fans in general who have this cynicism and lack of perspective and are obviously, you know, um, joyous when things are going well and yet don't don't know how to find their bearings when things are going terrible. Yeah, I think, you know, we, I remember the 2019 run and people think, oh, Bryce, you must've been on top of the world during that championship run. I had games that I watched where I was outraged, livid, with the team and the mistakes uh you remember game six in philly yep um there there were there were games uh game one against orlando Uh, there were we got blown out oh my god yep uh and I, i was outraged however there were also moments where I was really frustrated and and you know how far that frustration went when all these cats, all these people started showing up on, on the wagon uh, saying that they were Toronto fans. Now that they were watching the games too, uh, that they've watched since whatever year it was since the Vince era or since DeMar got drafted and, and all these kind of things. And I was like, who the heck are these people? They, they, they don't get to come. They don't no get to names. come for this no run. Names. And no names. Uh, and I, I, was, I, was, I was frustrated with 
how people just showed up. Um, Now, if the Toronto Maple Leafs happen to go on a run this year, I'll watch the games. I'll cheer for them. Uh, Will I be tweeting about them? Probably not. Will I be uh, buying the latest jersey of, you know, uh, Matthews or or Tavares? Uh, probably not. But I'll be cheering them on, and and I respect that that people want to watch and people want to cheer for a winner, especially from uh, your hometown or Canadian team, whatever. But I was I was fuming because I was like I've. I've put in a lot of time. I've invested a lot of emotion and energy into this Toronto Raptors franchise. And now people want to come on and and say they know this team. So, uh, you know, my, I've, I've been critical of, of people in in the past, even when times were good. And I think for me, uh, you know, I feel for Will Lou because it's Mm -hmm. not just a job for this guy. You can tell. This guy lives and breathes Toronto Raptors basketball. He was crying. Remember after last season when we lost in a heartbreak fashion to the Boston Celtics when we just couldn't, just couldn't will ourselves. Yeah. We couldn't will ourselves because Pascal just wasn't where he was. Um, And which is totally fair. Like it sucked, but he knew in that moment when we lost that this team, this team that we love so much, it was coming to an end. He didn't know that Serge and Marc Gasol were going to leave, but he had a feeling one of them would. Uh, he knew that uh, Kyle Lowry was going to be a year older. Uh, he probably, it sunk in that the pandemic was going to be at least another year before it could we could say that it was over. And he was looking at how fun the year was. And it was a fun year. Uh, there was a lot of great things that happened. But this guy... He, why he's one of our favorites is not just because he's a hell of a journalist, but because he's a fan. He he is he is akin to us as as fans, as as people who follow this franchise. And so when you've got people who are cold and cynical like that, uh, and I have people like that in my life who will like send me messages, ha ha, here's another loss. I'll be like, who who are you? Like I don't even pay him no mind. I just like delete the text or um, maybe even delete them on uh, social media because I'm just not, I'm not interested in, in folks, uh, you know, playing around like that. This is not, this is not a game (laughs) for me, as you've said in the past, this is not a game. This is, this is, you know, for, for me personally, I, I get connected to my hometown, you know, the GTA has, uh, such a, a a huge part of my heart, even though I live in Ottawa, not only because I grew up there, but because of of all the things that are represented in the city of Toronto that really, I think we'd be honest and say, we don't really have it the same way in Ottawa. And that's not to say that Ottawa can't be unique and, 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 and in significant in different ways it can, but there is a voice of the GTA. There is a voice of the city of Toronto that I think you and I, uh, both have a, such great affection for. We're, we drink the Kool-Aid uh, of the city. And, and, and this team represents that. And William Liu represents that. And, and so when people do that to Will Liu, yeah, uh, I think he, he should tell them to screw off and, and, uh, and move on. Like, 
block them if you have to, because it's just nonsense, you know? Well, that episode ended a bit abruptly for a couple different reasons, partly due to our own. Anyways, we hope you enjoyed this first part of State of Affairs, Family First, and we hope you catch the second part of State of Affairs, Business, Never Personal, uh, when Zion and I take a little more of a 10,000-foot view of what's gone on this season and uh, where we're headed into uh, next season as well. Will we make playoff predictions? Well, tune in to the second part of State of Affairs and find out. Thank you.